hi everybody welcome to the inspired marketing group podcast um my name is david coglin i'm the co-founder and i'm joined by richard hello richard's uh the other co-founder here at the inspired marketing group and we are very excited today to be joined by a good friend and excellent marketer joanne smalley hello um so yeah, so you, you probably heard on the first podcast, you know, Richard telling you a story about Wembley. Uh, I still have a dream to be a, a professional DJ one day. Um, but um, you're a professional athlete or international athlete, Joanne. Interna- well, yeah, professional stroke international. <laughs> um, I did make my debut for England um, playing squash at the grand old age of th- over, uh, over 35s, as, or as I like to call it, old lady squash. <laughs> so yeah it was always my dream to to don the England shirt um, and play for England and, and I, I managed to achieve that about four or five years ago after a number of years of hard training but yeah it was it was a great experience and very proud amazing awesome I was I was just um, looking through some of the results and I noticed that you gave the Welsh skills the battering which was obviously very sad for me but uh yeah, they weren't the strongest, the Welsh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, none of us. Scotland gave us our hardest battle, but yeah. Can I ask a question? Have, have you two actually played each other? I think we've only ever played once, and I think it was at Weymouth Squash Festival, and we were both massively hungover, and I Who possibly won? had a chest infection at the same time. Who won? Oh, Dave, obviously, but... Uh, oh, not, 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 so, not, yeah, not, yeah, well, not so obviously. I wondered <laughs> if you were going to mention Weymouth. I was going to say, let's not talk about Weymouth really. Uni days. It's the only time I think we've ever played seriously was at Weymouth. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've played it. We've played at Nottingham a few times, I think, haven't we? I, I couldn't remember. I'm pretty pretty sure you've beaten me in my career. I have very variable, uh, very very variable form. So. Um, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up as well, Richard. <laughs> Super. So, um, yeah, so Joanne, so tell us a bit about you. So talk, talk to us about your career, where you started, what you've, what you've done and, and how you've ended up where you are now. Yeah, so I, um, I run, currently run my own business, my own marketing business um, called Carden Communications. I have been working remotely in Mallorca for the last three years. Um, which is a story in itself. Um, I've been working in marketing for a very long time, probably nearly 20 years, um, 15 of which have been spent pretty much in the energy and technology space. Um, so it's I started my career working with Richard at Eon um, a long, long time ago. Um, <laughs> moved into head up comms at Alexon doing balancing settlements. So that was a very broad brush, very technical role. Went from there to look after new nuclear and the Olympics at EDF Energy, which was quite a diverse um, spectrum of topics to be covering. Um, nuclear and the Olympics? Yeah. How does that work? It, well, it didn't. <laughs> so um, at the time I was at EDF, they were, I was in there, I was their deputy head of media relations. Um, they had... Um, a shortage in their team. They didn't have a customer comms lead, basically. So I was doing that position and the deputy role as well. And at the time we were lobbying for Hinkley Point C, which is now under construction and all the stuff around contracts for dis- difference and all the regulatory stuff that approached was going along with that. At the same time as EDF was sponsoring the London Olympics in 2012. 
Um, so one day I would be in a meeting with senior government officials talking about very technical detail around um, how new nuclear might be funded. And the next day I would be on the London Eye with James Cracknell taking photography for 2012. Brilliant. So it was one of the more extreme experiences of my life, but certainly gave me a, um, a very broad experience in, in comms. Which one did you prefer, nuclear or James Cracknell? Well, I have to say, nothing could beat James Cracknell in a, in a pod on the London night at seven o'clock in the morning. He <laughs> blows, <laughs> can't get away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, there were some amazing experiences there. I did a, I did a, I supported a press visit for David Cameron to the EDF headquarters in Paris, um, which was just an amazing day, sorting out all that work, you know, getting the first Eurostar out of London. Um, up at the EDF headquarters on the Champs Elysees, which were are incredible, and then getting David Cameron and his team come in, supporting the whole project, um, and then drinking lots of wine with my then boss on the on the Eurostar on the way home when it was all over. It was incredible, amazing buzz. Um, I went from EDF to British Gas Business, where Richard and I crossed paths again. Um, he can't get, can't, couldn't get away from me. Um, and, and headed up BGBPR, which was, which was a really interesting, um, interesting role. It was my first interim, um, and sort of showed me that that actually going in and doing a short-term project, although it turned out to be eighteen months in the end, um, trying to, you know, trying to solve problems and, and fix issues, um, is, it can be pretty exciting. Um, did that for 18 months, took on a bit of maternity cover there while I was there looking after digital PR and visual comms as well, um, which was really interesting and I learned a lot about all that kind of stuff. Um, contract came to an end and it was during a really, really like horrendous period in media in, in interest in energy retailers. We had the Sun bus driving into our car park and I was running across the car park trying to get them to shut the gates to stop the Sun journalists taking pictures of the bus in front of the building. And we had, you know, journalists doorstepping our head of customer service at his home and things like that. It was it was really intense and it didn't stop for about six months. Um, so I was we were all knackered. You know, it was it was really extreme. So I took a break from energy and went into IT and technology um, and did, did a marketing lead role there got bored with that after 12 months because, hey, it wasn't that exciting. Um, <laughs> and got headhunted in to head up the comms team at a PR practice, a niche PR practice um, in London. And there I got to work with global clients and that was really exciting. So I was traveling across Europe all the time, um, working with clients with, you know, doing everything from EVs to solar to, at the time, oil and gas to, to everything. It was a really diverse role. And I had a team of seven um, PR professionals who it was great mentoring and, and I really enjoyed the experience but it, it did get to the point that I realized that people were paying for my expertise in terms of I want Joanne in the room and then I went well why aren't they paying me for my expertise you know rather yeah. than the whole team so so it was after commuting and traveling and doing all that for, for two years I went I could do this for myself um, and part of that drive was a drive to say actually I don't want to be commuting into central London every day um, you know, it was a two hour trip in, it was a two hour trip out. It was, I wasn't able to play squash. I wasn't able to do all the things I loved doing in my life. 
and and we wanted me and my partner wanted to travel we want there was much more we wanted to experience so we decided I set up my own business and within a year we realized that that it would give us the flexibility to to move outside the UK um and in December 2017 we left the UK and went to the French Alps and spent five months at the top of a mountain while my other half ran a hotel and I worked from there and it was kind of our test and learn experience. It was like, if, if Joanne can do her job with really bad Wi-Fi at the top of the mountain, <laughs> um, then we, we, can, we can continue to do this. And as it happened, I had my biggest ever billing month, um, you know, in the middle of a snowstorm at the top of a mountain. Um, so we went, well, that's kind of okay then. And um, we decided then we'd complete the move with a move to Mallorca. And we've been based here in, uh, on the island ever since. It's really, it's really interesting that, you know, the, the, I wrote them down as soon as you said that in terms of commuting and traveling, mm. and it, it's, you know, I, I had that realization, you know, probably a lot longer after you, but it, but it is, it, it's kind of debilitating and, and it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think you end up showing up at your best, like going, you know, two hours commuting, let's say, I, I used to travel from Sheffield to Sunderland and I used to get up at four in the morning and get there for yeah. seven and it, it, it's just, you know, COVID has really, I think, made a lot of people realise that year of working from home. We were talking to somebody the other day, um, just a casual conversation on LinkedIn, and they were just like, if I'm forced to go back to the office, I'll probably resign. And I think reality yeah. <laughs> is, is, is coming through now. And it, it's interesting that you, you spotted it, what, 2017? Yeah, and I, well, I, I was working remotely before that because I wasn't going into London for client work every day um, before that. Um, so it was kind of 2015, 2016, I sort of said, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think what I, I've been saying to people for the last 10 months is the world's catching up with me. Yeah. And I've been, I've been banging this drum for, you know, my LinkedIn profile, it says I'm a remote work enthusiast. I've been banging this drum for, for, for years now. Um, I don't think people need to be in the office. If they want to be, that's a different story. But I, I and, and there are, you know, people at st- certain stages in their career who will want that. And I totally get that. And I'm not saying that it's the wrong thing for everybody. You know, nobody should be in an office. But um, I really feel that, that remote work is the future and it, it opens up so much for, for other businesses. So you can access talent, you know, say you're in Nottingham, you've got a very limited pool of, of resource if you want. Thanks, high- thanks Joe. Sorry, obviously, <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's just you, and you can't work for everybody, right? Um, so, so you, you know, if you if you're in parts places outside London, there's, I I left Nottingham, so I was in Nottingham for ten years. When I left e- Eon, I had to leave Nottingham because the only places I could really go to progress my career were Boots or Capital One. You call it the Nottingham Triangle, don't we? Yeah. Um. You know, there was nowhere else for me to go, really. Um, so, so, and then I had to go to London because that was that was the progression in my career. Um, and I think we're really limiting people um, and, and and making people make life choices they don't necessarily want to make about where they have to live, um, and 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 about their you know careers and work. And I think, you know, people can work wherever. Um, and I think, and for me, you know, not being in the same place every day. Is, is not conducive to my creativity. Yeah. Um, I, I work best when I'm able to go, I've got a really meaty problem. I'm sat here at my desk. I you know, I've got a big piece of writing I need to do. I know I'll go and sit in a cafe by the beach 
and have a coffee and then things will start moving. So, and, and I think that's really important as well to draw that working from home in a pandemic is not remote work. They're very different things. Yeah, yeah. And do you know, it's interesting you mentioned that about, you, you just sort of said, you know, it limits yourself. I think it limits businesses. So basically, I, I've been through that situation, both on a, on a, on a higher and a, and, a, and a personal perspective, where you, you're almost like, I've got a really good candidate, but they live in Coventry. And it's mm. like, we'll try and get them to move. And, and that's always the default. And actually, you're right. The default is everyone in an office. We're not saying that everyone should be remote working, but what we're saying is it should now be a choice. And I think, why wouldn't you as a business owner want the best person in your business rather than somebody who's constrained by budget or constrained by location? You know, yeah. I, I'm tonight on a call with New Zealand at seven o'clock tonight because the client's in New Zealand they want the best people working on their business why 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 be constrained and it's exactly. covid has just smashed that door open i think yeah and, and you know what if, if you're working from home and you can get up a bit later in the morning um i mean i know you have kids so that's like not. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. But, but if you can get up a bit later and, and be at your desk in 30 seconds rather than a big long commute you don't mind having a call at nine o'clock in the evening because yeah. it's actually not that disruptive to your life. But if you have a call at nine o'clock in the evening and then you have to get up and commute for an hour and a half into central London to, to start your day at nine, then it is disruptive to your life. But I, I think, you know, remote working just gives you the flexibility to say, actually, you know, Friday afternoons are no good for me, really. You know, I'm not concentrating. I don't work best at that time. But I'm quite happy to do three hours on a Sunday evening to catch up. Yeah. You know, let's it's about remote work and flexible work that, that works around, especially in, as you, you've talked about, Dave, in the knowledge economy. Um, you know, you can't make somebody have creative ideas and do their best work in a nine to five. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. But, but that happens anyway, doesn't it? You know, I barely have a bit personal now, but some of my best ideas come in the shower. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do. You don't, you, you, your, your creativity, you don't just sit down at your desk and go, right, let's get creative. It just doesn't work. You don't stand at a board and go, right, here's the inspiration board. It is, it, it is that, yeah, I, I'm completely with you. Satin, you know, most office buildings are pretty horrendous, right? And, you know, that horrible carpet, carpet tile and white walls and mess everywhere and stuff. Going and sitting at a desk in that environment and go, right, write a brilliant piece of content or, you know, create a brilliant infographic in that scenario. You're like, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to, to perform at your best. You need to understand the things that get your creativity flowing. I'd really like to hear um, how, what your clients thought sort of early days. <clears throat> so when was it, you know, so we, let's, so when you first started and you were based, you know, down south, um, you were, even at that stage, you weren't commuting, you know, into London or whatever, you probably got a client meetings, et cetera, but you, most of the time remote, is that right? Yeah, so actually it's really interesting because one of my first clients um, was the data communications company, which is the DCC, um, who are responsible for the rollout smart metering across the UK, the technical implementation of rollout. And I was doing a role helping them reformat their stakeholder communications and market um, comms team. Um, and at the time it was very much like, okay, and we want you in the office three days a week. And I was like, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that's not I mean they would pay me a ridiculously high day rate as well it was great um but I, I I I from day one I was like if you want me in the office three days a week then I'm the wrong person for the job and what was really interesting is I'd go I said I'll come in one day a week and I'll work two days from home um, and I'd go in the office one day a week and I'd sit there twiddling my thumbs because yeah. I'd be like I could do this from home what what I'd maybe have one or two meetings which I could have just come in for you know, why am I here? What What is the purpose? You, so you can see me? No, sorry, it doesn't work like that. Um, so I was all, I always went into new contracts with, I don't come in, I'm, I'm not office-based. If you want me in the office, I'm the wrong person for you, sorry. Um, and I don't think I had anybody say no. Um, I was just, just about to say, did, you, did anybody say, well, clear off? I don't think so. I think maybe they were in the discovery phase, it was, it was decided that we were the, you know, it was the wrong setup, but, I don't feel I, I don't have any recollection of, of losing out on anything at uh, anything extreme on that, at that level. Um, I have one client that I worked with for two and a half years that decided they wanted an in-house marketing manager um, and got one. And, and that was fine. And the, to be fair, the business had transitioned beyond a freelancer. They needed somebody full time. And, and, and I always said I can prepare the business for that. And they said, would you like to do it? But you'd need to be in the office. And I went, no um so so that was that was fine um but actually now they they've gone to an almost fully remote model subsequently <laughs> they're like oh this is quite good isn't it yeah. yeah um so so yeah i i don't feel like any anybody's ever turned around and said no but it's it's innate, it's innate behavior isn't it it's what you know businesses have been run that way for years ever since the office was first developed so it's it's a natural thought process of yeah we've got to get people in the office and and yeah, it doesn't, you know, we keep going back to the current situation. Any, you know, we, we tell a story about um, about what happened at, um, where we used to work and it was like, oh yeah, well, you know, you boys from marketing can work from home, you know, probably one day a week because you've got laptops, but we've got a call centre, they can't work from home. Oh yeah. Your call centre in the UK is now working from home and, yeah. it's, and, and those businesses survive. So it's, it's, it's almost forced that behaviour change now and and actually there's, there's big financial gains to be made out of it you know we, we were talking to somebody the other day and they were like yeah you know my my um my was it was it business tax they, they pay on their premises 60 grand a year for a bill yeah, business yeah. rates yeah yeah not, yeah, not even not even the electricity the gas the water to run that and it's like all of those sunk costs you know you're zero if you run an office is already a million and, and it's, it's, it's a crazy, yeah. I mean, there's some really interesting stats floating around about how much a desk costs in different locations, yeah. you know, per headcount. Um, and, and suddenly you're seeing people. So KPMG have now said, we're not in any rush to get people debt back. You know, a load of the big tech companies have said, actually, um, you guys can stay at home. And, and I think there will always be a future for people, a place for people to come together. So, and and I, I, I totally miss that. You know, in a in normal world, I'd be flying back to the UK every three or four weeks to have client meetings and do that face-to-face -face stuff. And I think that that does play a role and it's pretty important. Um, but I don't think people need that permanent desk space. I mean, the, the, to your point about call centers, if you're recruiting people you don't trust to work from home or, or need in an office so you can watch them, then you're recruiting the wrong people. 100%. We had that conversation. It was just like, if you don't trust them, then why do we employ them in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I worked for an IT, a small IT services company that was awful for this. 
And I said, as, as marketing man, I only lived five minutes up the road. It's one of the reasons I chose the job. Um, and I said, the office was so noisy. I said, I can't do any writing here. I've, I've got to work, I, you know, I'm going to work from home on a Friday. And they were like, oh, okay, fine. And, you know, initially my boss would call me a couple of times during the day. I was like, that's ridiculous. But then if you'd suggested to him that the, the call center guys could work from home, he'd have, there would be no way. And I was like, oh my God, if you don't trust them, then why are they here? You yeah. know, you've you're, you're recruited completely the wrong people. I think, um, no, go on, go on, no, go on, go on, I'm going to go on. This no, I was, I was going to say, and, 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 and it's right that certain roles probably are more suited to office-based activity. And again, we're not advocating every role becomes remote, but actually mm. a lot of it probably, like you say, goes down to choice as well, that some people yeah. do want it, you know, we're quite fortunate, we've got our own kind of office environment here, so it's a lot exactly. of home. But, and some people, if you're in a flat share, you probably don't have that. But, but it, 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 I think what you're saying, and, and, and it rings true with us, is that being in an office shouldn't be the default. No. Actually, why can't it be what you do now where your default is at home, but if you need it in the office one day for a meeting, important meeting, whatever it is, you can do that. And yeah, yeah it, it, it really resonates for, for us. And obviously that's what got us to where we are with our business. Yeah. And, and I think, it, like you say, I think it'll be a mix. Like, kind of last point this, because I want to ask you a question. Um, I've got a friend who lives in London, central London, and he works in retail. He works in the head office of a, um, a national fashion chain. And they had something, they've got like a 75-seat office, and they were literally bursting at the seams. And they were kind of right, you know, when the lease is up, we've got to move, we've got to get a bigger place. Then COVID happened, everybody went remote. And actually what they're now going to do is they're going to just downsize. They're going to have a 50-person office, which will be hot desks. People yeah. will in and out meetings. And, um, you know, just the mindset is completely switched. So I think that that having a central hub is still going to be important, but it's about opportunity choice. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier about career stage, which I'd just like to talk to you about, because I think that's an interesting um debate because obviously you know we've been around the block all of us on this call for a few years and it's you know you people might watch this or be listening to this and think yeah you know it's all right for you guys you've forged your career you've worked in corporate land you've done the you've done your kind of time at the coal fake so it's all very well for you to sit there and preach how easy it is to work remotely but for people who are just starting out or trying to get into you know marketing in our example but any industry where do you think the sort of office, um, you know, that experience sits? I, I think it's a really difficult one. And I think I think early stage careers are the, are the critical ones. This is going to affect the most. So to, to, to Richard's point, a lot of those people, you know, a lot of young people straight out uni will be in flat shares, will be, I've seen pictures on social media of, of guys I know I've worked with, you know, there's three of them at the kitchen table. I don't know how they do calls. I really don't, because that must be horrendous, you know, and, and that's not, if you don't have any space and, and you're in your bedroom the whole time and, um, you know, that, that's that got to be horrendous. And, and we need to find a way around for those people. And maybe that's giving them access to co-working spaces um, or similar. And I'll come on to co-working later, because I think that's a different sub sort of branch of this conversation. Yeah. Um, I think also, and Richard, I don't know if you remember, but those year, early years at E.ON, when we were all at the start of our careers, I made 
some amazing friends for life there. Um, you know, we had a great social environment. You know, we, we had a great time. Um, and, and for people straight out of uni or moving to the new locations, their workplace is often really important for those social connections as well. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know the answer, but I think there is a place for people to choose to go to an office location if they want to. And I think you'll find that people at that stage in their career, you'll probably find offices full of younger people who want to be in cities, you know, oh God, nobody could pay me money to live in London right now. Right. I'm too old for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I was 25, it might be a different story. Um, you know, so young people will still congregate to office to, to cities and, and want to be in offices. And I think we need to give them that ability. And people like us who are, you know, their managers and their, their leaders will have to be able to facilitate that and, and give them the mentoring and the support and the development that they need. Um, but I think there, there needs to be an opportunity to say, OK, guys, you know, for me, remote work isn't just working from home. As I've said, you know, you want to go and work from Sardinia for, for two months that's okay you know as yeah. long as you're on, you're online when i need yeah. you and you do the job and i trust you to do it i don't really care where you are that's exactly that's exactly the model we're we're preaching is the fact that there's there's, there's a number of things which are important to us that's quality of output that's yeah. deadlines being adhered to and met yeah but in reality if you do if you do that eight hours in the middle of the night to deliver it for the nine o'clock deadline and it's quality and it's delivered on time. I don't really care. Yeah. I don't really care if you did that in Australia. It, it is just, you know, that's what's important to people. I actually wonder, I was picking up on this and I was just doing some notes about the future of work. And, and, and I wonder whether it's, you know, offices were seen as almost like a badge of honour. You know, you get a big corporate office, put a big logo above it, and that's success. We've got a 600-seater office. And, and I wonder now whether you almost have new world internet cafes where you have those big offices, but it's just a completely shared space where you say you rent desks, um, mini floors, quarter of floors. So you still get that office environment, but you're interacting you still get my interaction, but it's just a, it's a place to park rather than a holy grail of where you go and visit. Yeah. And I think a lot of the big tech companies and the big accountancy type firms were sort of moving to that model anyway, because they couldn't, you know, accommodate all their people. Um, if you ever visited Microsoft at Reading at their campus at Reading, you know, they had, it was basically set up like that. There would be teams who would have desks throughout the office, but most of their people were out on the road or, or based elsewhere. So they just had places where you could be within that space yeah. that wasn't, wasn't owned. I mean, Richard, back at Eon, I spent half my time, I didn't have a desk for the first year I worked there because there was no desk within the team space. So I was, I was like, anybody wasn't in, I was just grabbing their desk. Yeah. So, you know, the, the formal construct of an office structure where you have a desk with your name on it, I think is increasingly relevant and not good for business because how do you flex quickly when you're tied into a 20 20 year lease yeah you know yep yeah Dave, dave's got a big kind of sort of vc back background where you you, you know you pivot you pivot you pivot you pivot you pivot and, and you, like you say you can't do that on a 20 year lease i think as humans we're quite territorial aren't we in the fact that this is my desk and this is and, and it is just about just changing that culture and actually naturally things will just evolve i think in the fact that you know 
an 18 year old joining a business today expects an iPhone and a MacBook maybe. And when they get presented with their Samsung and their Dow or whatever, they're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I think over time things things will just things will just evolve. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about where it goes to um, in terms of in terms of sort of the future of work because I think it's an interesting place now. Hmm. I, I've been banging this drum for ages. I'm really excited about what what happens next. So, what um, does a remote enthusiast, a remote work enthusiast, actually look like? Obviously, it looks like that, but but what but what is it? Um, I think I think I mean for me, it's a bit of a passion project. So I'm I connect. I'm quite connected with lots of different people who are looking at the future of work and what remote what work is and and will be in the future so um co-living is an example um there's a lot of really exciting co-living projects there's quite a few on on there's a couple on Mallorca the canaries are massive in in co-living so you you go into a space you have a room and this is not some like grotty digs kind of accommodation this is good quality luxury villa type accommodation with fantastic wi-fi you know your food is prepared for you or you co-cook and you form a a, and this is the social interaction point that's missing from a lot of people and there are people traveling around the world and spending three two months here and three months there and two months there but they're working very seriously from those locations so so co-living is 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 a really interesting concept it's not for everybody don't get me wrong but it's it's something that a lot of people are now starting to do co-working is another one and i'm really really fascinated by co-working and what that means it was always a passion project of mine when i was in the uk i loved co-working spaces i used to visit as many as i could and hang out in them because i just loved the vibe um and i really was wanted to open my own co-working in the uk but that never happened but i've actually done that here so i have a co-working space just 50 meters from the beach um in playa del cudia um which um i share with with a with a, a partner um she's been out here for five years she runs her own it consultancy um we're gonna we want to get between two and six other people in the space um and, get, and make it available for people to come on a sort of week week by week basis We've got kayaks there and stand-up paddle boards. There's a shower. So if you want to go for a swim before work or at lunchtime or go and sit on the beach, you know, there's all the facilities you need. Um, but it's got 600 megabit download Wi-Fi. We've got conference suites. You know, it's just a really good place to do business. So I think co-working is going to be very much a, a, an option for the future. And I'm excited to see what happens with that. Um, because it's about people making choices about where they want to work. So sometimes I want to be in my office at home and doing that. And sometimes I want to be in an office with other people. And sometimes yeah. I want to be in a cafe having a Yeah, coffee. absolutely. I've, I mean, working 50 I love not, you know, nothing has been really good to me, but working 50 meters from the beach sounds much more um, up my street. <laughs> but like you say, it's having, it's having the option though, right? I think, I think yeah. it's what's, what's really interesting is, um and yeah our, our client one of our clients um he's got a place in spain his workforce of workforce he's, he's got people that work remotely one's in spain one's in south africa and it's almost um happened by accident but it's just as his business has evolved he hasn't employed people but he's needed those skills and he's just got people that you know he knows and trusts and they happen to live in spain and south africa and it's it, it's almost kind of it's been a slow migration towards that which has been enabled by technology but it's becoming now it's almost like it's opened certainly opened my eyes um to think well 
you know, I can jump on a plane out of East Mids, go and fly to Mallorca, I can go and catch up with my mate Joe, uh, I can go and work on the beach, the kids could come, you know, it, it's that sort of school holidays where you're normally just panicking because you go, I've got to be in the office, how do I get childcare? Actually, you know, just pack everybody off the holiday, we're going to spend a couple of weeks in the sun, I can spend, you know, three, four hours a day working, keeping my clients happy and the rest of the time I'm on the beach with kids. That's exactly it. And a lot of families are starting to go, actually, this it doesn't mean it means that, you know, how many families have left dad at home or mum, you know, to, to work while the family's gone on holiday um, yeah. and they fly out the weekends or, or come out for the last week or something. Actually, you've got an option where all of a sudden you can you can all go on holiday together. And like you say, you can do your job in the evenings or the mornings and the kids can be in the pool and, and you're all on holiday together. Um yeah. And I think I think that's the point is, is let's not get caught up in remote work in a pandemic, which is us all sat in our rooms in our houses, um, you know, in the same four walls. Let's think about the art of the possible yeah. uh, and what it can do for families, what it can do for, you know, people, young people paying what 1500 quid a month rent in central London for a room all of a sudden can go and be in and be paying 750 for a room in a bit luxury villa in Palma, you know, with brilliant Wi-Fi and their own office and all that kind of stuff. So I've got know. I've got two questions. Um, sorry, two observations about one one final question from myself. Um, so it's interesting. So the bit about you say about families and that is completely get that. And actually, even even as short as a year ago, if somebody would have said, I'm gonna to go to Cornwall with a family, but I'm gonna work. Yeah. The 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 stigmatism would have been guys oh, just gonna he's gonna just gonna toss it off. He's gonna do you know what I mean? He's he, he's just gonna mess around. Actually, COVID COVID's blown that apart because people have been people could have done that for the last year. So I think it, it's forcing that stigmatism change. To answer a question to answer a question myself, which 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 you answered for me, and to bring the point of what Dave's just said, I actually didn't know that the accountant we were dealing with was actually in Spain until she told me. And I've been on four calls with her. And, <laughs> and the quality of service didn't actually, and I don't know how she mentioned it, but it, I think it was on about how sunny it was or something like that. And I'm like, where are you? She was like, oh, I'm in Spain. And I'm like. <laughs> so, so that to me proves the model works as well. Yeah. And, and and probably one final question from me. So you've set up this, 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 um, this uh, co-working space. Is that new in Spain? Is it not? How, how's, how's this remote working sort of model resonating in Spain? Um, so I think Mallorca is slightly different to mainland Spain in a lot of ways. Um, we always say Mallorca's in a good way, like the UK was 30 years ago. Um, it, it's, it's a very interesting um, microcosm of culture because it's so small. Um, I think probably co-working has been around in Spain for a little bit longer than it probably is in Mallorca. Um, although Mallorca is certainly growing as a co-working location, um, there are quite a few spaces in central Palma now that have opened up um, some big spaces. You know, there are a lot of business people that come here. There are a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, it's, it's a great lifestyle for that. Um, so I, th I think that, you know, it, it's probably three, four, five years old maximum. I mean, probably not five, probably three um, in terms of how it's developing. There's very little co-working in the north of the island where I live, um, which is what led us to, to open up the space. 
we've had some interest in it. We're not actively proactively marketing it yet because of the situation. Um, we're ready to receive visitors when 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 they can come, basically. Um, and I think a lot of people have said, "Oh, wow, that's a really good opportunity." And I think this has all very much opened up people's eyes to what, what's the art of the possible, really. I mean, the joy of Mallorca. We've got amazing Wi-Fi here, so I've I have. 400 mega that's that to my house fiber which was installed 18 months ago like a man came and drilled the fiber into my house um and they're rolling out fiber fiber across the whole island so i have better wi-fi connection here than my parents do in london yeah um, and and most of the uk does um and the island even most of the remote parts of the island i mean i've got friends in a finca which is a farm in the middle of the countryside about three kilometers away um, outside the village and they get satellite wi-fi that's better quality than my parents fiber to the box mm. so, you know it it's we, we it's it's islands like mallorca and and uh, uh, can capitalize on that boom just by dint of having fantastic wi-fi yeah because that kind of becomes that becomes the the uh it's like the barrier right or it's the it's you know, table stakes. So you've got to have amazing Wi-Fi. I mean, I've got 100 meg and I just, my kids, when they fire up Netflix, God knows why they're streaming Paw Patrol in ultra high def, but, you know, it kicks me off. My, you know, my emails go down, my calls stop, and it, and it, but it's, and it, I'm looking at, I'm going, right, I need 500 meg down. I mean, it's just, shouldn't need shouldn't need it but it's kind of the demands and then i was looking around my house and just everything's connected to the flipping wi-fi like my speakers my tv and, and everything's connected so it's kind of great in principle but it's, it's fundamental like you say in terms of if you've got that connection yeah you're often right anyone who's listening from a new business point of view dave's calls don't go down his emails are still there <laughs> 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 only, only for certain certain clients and when I'm having a conversation with you, Richard. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was really funny during first lockdown. So obviously we went into hard lockdown here in Spain. Um, my other half, who's a teacher, was teaching upstairs. So he was on Zoom calls all day, every day. I was on Zoom calls with people in the UK downstairs. Our TV runs off the Wi-Fi. Um, you know, like you say, it's amazing what runs off the Wi-Fi. We never had any issues um, through the whole of the summer. Um, and and we, I was talking with clients in the UK and no, they'd never had their camera on and they, you know, they'd be dropping in and out because the kids were on classes or downloading Paw Patrol in high definition or Peppa Pig or whatever. Um, and, and I was like, you really got to need to go. The UK really needs to sort its Wi-Fi out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a great connection. But yeah, it, it, it's the art of the possible. Wi-Fi is up there, definitely. Super. Um, that's been really, really interesting. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening, guys. Uh, we've got more coming soon. Lots of excellent, excellent guests. But uh, for now, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Take care. See you soon.